The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Welcome on into the batting order B episode 468. And we're here for another great day of baseball around the league and to talk about some great topics here coming up. We've got the O'Neill Cruz story along with some more injury situations, some prospects that have been called up because we've seen a whole slew of pitchers either starting of late for the first time or starting in these next coming days that should have plenty to get people riled up about. And then we'll end off with our first leaderboard check-in of the year. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Love the Wednesday shows. It's a great way to break up the sometimes monotonous school week. So we love it. All right. Well, now up to bet. O'Neill Cruz, of course, breaks his ankle in a slide into home plate late last weekend following many words shared between the two sides and some um, potential fisticuffs going out onto the field. Brandon, was this the most pointless bench clearing ever? I've seen more pointless before, um, but this was this was pretty bad. Uh, so I guess it started because Sebi Zavala, the White Sox catcher, was mad that O'Neill Cruz slid really late into home. Really bad sliding mechanics also, which happened to break O'Neill Cruz's uh, ankle, which we will get to um, in a minute. But yeah, Sebi Zavala starts barking at the Pirates dugout. Of course, they start arguing back. Bench is clear. They stand around. Nothing happens, as is pretty much the standard now with these benches clearing incidents. And, you know, it sucks for O'Neill Cruz, uh, but I feel like it was an injury that could have been avoided with either a better slide or just choosing to not slide at all, knowing that he was pretty much dead to rights there at the plate. Yeah, again, I think that's where we really need to focus in on this whole conversation is the fact that this is by no means Zavala's fault. Honestly, he's kind of right to be mad, even though, you know, obviously for if you're the Pirates, it looks really bad in that moment that this guy just had a collision with one guy and your player is sitting there on the ground next to home plate. But the second you watch that back, if you look at it from any especially TV angle, you can see O'Neill Cruz very clearly thought about not sliding. He hesitated. In that hesitation, not only did he lose all momentum and energy going into it, but put him way too close to Zavala. The, the entire wound was self-inflicted. Like, I, I obviously feel for the guy, but when the whole wound is self-inflicted, you can't have this type of scene being made because it just looks ridiculous. Well, not only that, it's it kind of reminded me of and I'm sure a lot of the basketball players know this a feeling, and you certainly see it a couple times a year, whether it's college or the NBA, where it's like you're on, you're on your own on the fast break and you can't make up your mind whether you want to lay up the ball or dunk it, and you end up completely missing. Uh, and it felt like O'Neal Cruz couldn't really make up his mind whether or not he wanted to slide, and it did a lot of harm 
uh, to both him and uh, I mean, I, I should say a lot of harm. It was all the harm was to him and the rest was, you know, just Sebi Zavala being mad. But I mean, LJ, broken ankle, you're going to be out for a while, huh? Yeah, certainly will be out for a while. And it's a, it's a real blow for the Pirates as this is a team with all the considerations of everything going on with Brian Reynolds. There's not a lot to look forward to if you're a Pirates fan. I feel they like beat the Astros players, last night. Like they had been playing good to start the year, is all I'll say. Oh, certainly, certainly. But long term, we all know this isn't going to last. And he was a major point of excitement. Came out of a solid spring training here 259, 286, 444 with two home runs in 17 games. And honestly, improved on those numbers coming into the start of the year through nine games, a 104 OPS plus four RBIs, three stolen bases, and one home run. Obviously, the power hasn't been here to start, but he's getting a really good footing here in effectively year two. And I was excited to see what he could do with it, especially considering, you know, he's clearly going to be a threat on the bases. This now takes away an exciting player from the Pirates and could end up affecting the things he does best longer than his stint out because, you know, Anyone with a ankle or foot lower leg injury is going to have a more difficult time with base running, sliding, getting the comp, especially, yeah, especially a guy who had his injury come by way of a bad slide. You're going to be thinking about that the next while that you go to steal a base, go to put in good base running. And that's one of the things he's doing best at this point of his career. That's a huge blow for him being able to develop and grow. It's similar It's similar to like hockey when you have a defenseman who gets, or even like a more enforcing based forward who gets an upper body injury, a shoulder injury. Let's say he just like dislocates his shoulder or something. That clearly hurt. You, you know and your body knows what hurt you. And even some of the toughest guys end up with a mental tick about making those same hits again because – of what happened in that fluke incident. So in my eyes, it's a very similar situation. Well, you mentioned the injury, LJ. I think it's a great segue into what's going to be our kind of, I guess we're going to make this a weekly segment every Wednesday, uh, injury update. You know, it's hard to keep track of all the injuries uh, that happen in the MLB, but that's what we're here to do. Break down them in a concise manner. Tell you the ones that really matter. And uh, LJ, where do we want to start here? We certainly had uh, quite a few notable names uh, either hit the IL or potentially be heading to the IL. Well, I guess I'll actually I'd like to start it with a question here. This probably feels like the easiest way to jump around these injuries Brandon, among major names to go out on the IL this week, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Eflin, Joey Gallo, Adam Duvall. Which do you think hurts the most among these injuries? Yeah. uh, Obviously, Adam Duvall has had the best start out of all those players, and the Red Sox could really use anyone – on that team right now that is uh, producing. So he's certainly up there in contention. Brandon Woodruff, 
it does scare me a little bit. I know they're just saying right shoulder inflammation, but with with pitchers, shoulder and elbow is the two things that you really want to avoid. And you know, let's it, it is just inflammation. It doesn't look like there's a strain or anything there, but certainly Milwaukee not having him for at least two weeks will be uh hurtful but I'd probably have to side with Adam Duvall just because of how good he's been playing so far this year and you know it sucks for for Red Sox fans because they were really hoping to get a full year out of that guy who's honestly a really proven and even underrated hitter at times I think that what he did on the Braves uh was certainly overlooked by many certainly I don't think it's an understatement to say that this is their second best offensive piece at this point in a lineup that is devoid of offense. Like there is really only two guys out there that you're fully trusting to put the bat on the ball and make something good happen. Those were Raphael Deffers and Adam Duvall to start the year. You going down to one is a massive killer to what this team can do and tries to do. And so losing him for extended periods of time is going to be a major issue. The bigger issue for them too is depth because while they have, you know, some outfield depth, it's not certainly quality and they're not using it right now. Their decision for the year for this injury was to bring up Bobby Dahlbeck for the time being to serve as his replacement among position players to give other guys rest because they're facing a bunch of left-handers. Here's the thing we talked about in the big three radio show last night. Doesn't really matter seeing Bobby Dahlbeck honestly sucks at hitting righties and lefties equally. Like, not equally, actually. He probably, he's worse against the the uh, righties, but he's not that much of a difference maker against the lefties in the first place. So why are you even bothering to worry about, you know, giving some of these guys rest and off days so you can use this weapon? Meanwhile, you've got Rob Refsteider in center field. He probably still is the top option anyway, but... I feel a lot better about keeping the most well-rounded lineup out there if they brought up Jaron Duran instead. I'm actually going to go a different spot here. I'm going to go with Zach Eflin. Okay. 15-day okay. IL here. And the primary justification on this is this is a guy that the Rays spent good, good money, especially for the Rays. They spent Rays great money, actually, I'll go ahead and say, on – Zach Eflin, and so far delivered 11 innings through two starts, a 3-2-7 ERA. That's four over 11 innings with 12 strikeouts. Those are easily the best numbers of his career. And that's what this Tampa team does, is they will take a guy, immediately make a couple tweaks, and put together a really good season, and then it'll develop into a great season. We're realistically expecting this to be more like Jeffrey Springs to an extent, and again, he could fall off and we could be just completely, this analogy goes to nothing. It's I, I hope so. I'm just, I don't know where they get these guys from, LJ. I mean, it's its its pretty ridiculous. At this but at the end of the day, he started looking really good last year and now is taking a huge leap mm. into 23. That's what you're hoping for out of Zach Eflin when you pay him this money. And by paying him this money, you clearly think that he is going to be able to give you something more than most other players like most most players that you could have got you they'd normally get for five million 
they went out and grabbed this guy for over 10. So they're expecting something particularly special out of Zach Eflin now. And by limiting the time he is going to be out there this year, it's going to delay the time till that breakout really begins. And that that's what's unfortunate for Rays fans because you're ready to see that. Well, and let's not forget Zach Eflin was a guy who the Phillies lost so much confidence in him as a starter that he got moved to the bullpen at a point last year. They had him coming out of the bullpen in the playoffs. They thought he was much more comfortable doing that. And the Rays were kind of like, no, like you're you're a starter. You've started your your whole career essentially in the majors. Uh, he, he's made over a, almost 120 starts in the majors. You're going to be a starter for us. And while he does go down, they they do end up calling up one of their top prospects who we're going to talk about in a little bit. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that they they, that they should be uh, a little worried about this just because he had been pitching so well. And you're right. They, they'd make mediocre guys turn into good players and then good into great and great into uh, elite. It's just they just – have an upper hand on the player development system, it seems, over there in Tampa. Yeah, and I'm going to give, as we're running out of time here for this segment, I'm going to give one more name in here, and it's not going to be Brandon and Woodruff, as Brandon already expressed. You know, there's definitely cause for concern with a Milwaukee team that really needs to decide what they're doing with a lot of things this year, and it really feels like a winner-bust situation for the Brewers right now. My guy is actually going to be Matt Manning. Okay. Detroit Tigers. My the last guy we're going to talk about here fractures the fifth metatarsal in his right foot on a comebacker from Alejandro Kirk. First off, incredibly painful situation. But second, I just feel for these Tigers fans because here you had you were really hoping you're going to get off into this new era of Tigers baseball here bringing up Spencer Torkelson, who has had, I will say, a much improved start to the 2023 campaign compared to his 2022. But at the end of the day, he was part of a bigger movement here. And that movement mostly relied around starting pitching. This core, this young core that was supposed to be, you know, developed and guided by Eduardo Rodriguez of Spencer Turnbull, Matt Manning, Casey Myers, and Tariq Skubal, all guys who have graded and shown the fl- shown flashes of all-star potential in their own rights, now they have lost every single one of them for significant stints of time. You've got Turnbull as the first one to go, the guy who really people weren't expecting to be in that conversation until a hot start in 2021, ends up going down with Tommy John. Casey Mize ends up going down with Tommy John after a great start to the season last year. Tariq Skubal, flexor tendon surgery, He's going to be out for a while longer more, and now you have this with Matt Manning. It's just they're never going to get going in this new era because they keep having these you know, setback after setback after setback. But, Brandon, you mentioned those call-ups here. We've got a lot of prospects making their debuts in the next coming days, particularly on the pitching front. Brandon, which call-up is most exciting to you? I'm going to go back to Tampa, and it's Taj Bradley, who will be starting today, first the Red Sox. Uh, 
he was the corresponding move to Zach Eflin being put on the IL. And this is, in my opinion, we, what we could be seeing is the debut of an elite starting pitcher in the MLB. Uh, Taj Bradley has, you know, been a considered a top 50 prospect by baseball America, number 18 by MLB pipeline. And, has really put up great stats, especially last year in double A and triple A. LJ, we're looking at 133 innings with a 257 ERA, and then the strikeout to walk ratio something that I love to look at. I like this K percentage, this walk percentage, I think it really tells you a lot. 26.5 percent strikeout rate and only a 6.2 percent walk rate. So He's striking out batters uh, uh, about average, probably a little above what the league average is. I don't know it off the top of my head. And the walk rate is certainly much lower than what the league average is. 6.2% is much lower than what we're, we expect. So I, I think that this is a guy who Tampa, obviously, in the offseason, he was uh, eligible for the Rule 5 draft, and they made the very easy decision to put him on the 40 man roster and it just seems like he's going to be an exciting player mostly because of the club he plays for when you play for Tampa and you're one of these pitchers who according to fan 60 grade fastball 60 grade slider a potential 60 grade command the analytic people especially with Tampa which just seems like what is such a strong a correlation there when you think of analytics in baseball they really like this kid and I think that he could sure he's young and it's a steep learning curve for starting pitching uh in the MLB but I think that he could surprise some uh just because Tampa is not making this move unless they're sure that he is 100% ready because they could easily just throw another bullpen spot, a bullpen game into their rotation and be fine with it. But no, they feel confident in this 22 year old. Going in a similar direction. You see, I sat here hundred percent listening to you because I was really hoping you weren't going to pick him because that was the guy I wanted to talk about here. <laughs> now I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. Cause I've got two more here that are very interesting. I'm going to go with the starter here, Peyton Badenfield. Is going to be starting for the Cleveland Guardians, I believe, today. And also, I don't mean to interrupt, but I believe that means Cleveland this series versus the Yankees. Two of their three starters have made their major league debut. Hunter Gaddis did it uh, the other night, or it might have been last night even. And then tonight is, or, is, uh, or today is uh, this prospect here. Yeah, certainly. And again, there isn't you know, anything like huge jumping out. This is their 40th ranked prospect in the Guardian system, but I just have a decent feeling about this guy when you look at um, three things. First off, overall, his ERA has been consistently good at every level. He has not, you know, really faced that adversity. From a walk standpoint, he hasn't faced control issues. The second standpoint, I'm going to put it on this guy and note, the strikeouts per nine. Struggled a little bit with Cleveland in 28 starts for AAA last year in terms of a 6.38K per nine. 
Before that, every year above nine, three out of the four years, he was above 10 and a half. So he's shown the strikeout stuff in the past. And we talk about those three to four years. That's where I really get intrigued. Let's talk about, Brandon, the three teams that have had Peyton Battlefield, or excuse me, Battenfield, as a part of their system. Gets drafted by Houston. Okay, pretty good. Moves on to Tampa Bay. Also pretty good. And then in 2021 goes to Cleveland. Now, is there a reason why Houston and Tampa Bay chose to get rid of them, though? That's, you know... Yes, there, there probably could be, but at the end of the day, I can't really necessarily see it other than the fact that maybe he's not the most flashy guy when it comes to, you know, grade fastballs and grade out that well, solid cutter. But other than that kind of middle of the road, he's not going to give you anything eye-popping. But also, wouldn't that have been the – I'm trying to think of what trade he might have been a part of. Um, I can I can pull that up for you quick. If, if you can. Either way, though, it's important to note that these are probably the three best pitching development organizations out there, or three of the best five pitching development organizations out there. And all three have taken enough interest in them, in him, to bring him up. It's not like soccer where it's like, oh, this team's interested in him. He's scouting him. And, oh, that necessarily determines his worth. No, these three great organizations for pitchers have scouted him and gone out of their way to get acquire him. That shows you the potential. And I really hope he gets off to a hot start because I think this would be a really cool story. Do you have those trades? Yes. He was in 2021 right at the trade deadline, a part of the Jordan Luplo to Tampa trade. He was one of the return pieces. Okay, so again, that was that was a require that was a grab of Tampa grabbing a guy to fill need during a playoff push. I'm not necessarily going to say that they were trying to dump him. Is where I'm really trying to paint the picture. With. He was the throwing. He was the yeah. We'll throw him in because we obviously value him some to keep him in the organization for now. But we think that he, you know, he's disposable to go and get a player that we need for our playoff push to, and they end up winning the AL East that year and making what was a great series versus the Red Sox in the playoffs. As far as I'm concerned, when you're loading up for a playoff push, everyone outside your top, maybe three is expendable, right? Maybe your top five. So that's no diss on him. And did you have the uh, Houston move or no? I, I couldn't find anything regarding when he was traded from from Houston. Um, yeah, nothing. That's else. fine because it was a whole, you know the whole thing of 2020 and everything. Um, again, that could be a really exciting move. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about here, uh, Eduard Julian is coming mm, up here. Minnesota, yeah. Joey Gallo in Minnesota. This is a guy with 60 potential game power, 60 current raw power. And you look at the stats throughout his time in the minors. This is a guy who strikes out a lot, which, again, gives me Joey Gallo vibes. But he's still walking at a good clip. He's certainly getting those. So probably he's just very, very patient at the plate is really ultimately what that tells us. And somehow we've got a guy here that, yes, 
has these great power grades, but still has hit for average in his minor league career as well. So I'm very intrigued by what this could signal as it feels like Minnesota just keeps bringing up power bats time and time again over the last couple of years. Yeah. And Julian, like it's, it's very interesting because he does walk a very good amount of the time. He does strike out a good amount of the time, but he also hits for batting average. It just kind of gives me the feel that he's a guy who he makes outs about the same rate as everyone else, but his outs are just strikeouts instead of more ground outs or fly outs or things like that, which is certainly not a bad thing because he walks enough to offset it and he hits for average enough to offset it. He's do he's doing a little bit of everything and you know maybe you want a little more speed with that combo. But... He's got some speed, LJ. I mean he's stolen in th- 2021 he had 34 stolen bags in the minors. 2022 he had 25 across uh, two different levels if you count the Arizona Fall League. So he's got a little speed too. Well, okay then, rookie of the year. There, we'll throw it. Rookie of the year, boom. Who is Royce Lewis? When is he coming back? Like, they don't need him in their infield. Come on now. No. No. All right, and that actually, talking about speed, wraps us into our final segment quite well. Our leaderboard looking today because of, of course, you know, it's been a major game, game changer throughout the year. We are going to look at stolen bases to start up here as our leaderboard look in. It's a pretty crowded crew here at the front. <laughs> to say so, the least, yeah. <laughs> I guess the uh, as we look at this, my question for Brandon will be, who will separate from the stolen base pack by the end of the year? We've got Jorge Mateo and Miles Straw leading the campaign at six stolen bases apiece. Behind them, within two, we have um, what looks to be 11 players, uh, Corbin Carroll, Ronald Acuna, Cedric Mullins, Nico Horner, Tim Anderson, Glaber Torres, Jose Ramirez, Starling Marte, and Julio Rodriguez are all right within that pack. Yes, they are. And I don't want to say I'm surprised really by any of those names, those other than maybe Glaber Torres, who I talked about it on maybe last Wednesday or last Monday's show, a guy that only had 10 steals last year, and he's been very active on the bases so far for the Yankees this year. He's walking a lot, which uh, is very good. But guys like Jorge Mateo, we know his speed. Miles Straw, obviously, like those two at the top are not surprising at all. Names like Acuna, Cedric Mullins, Corbin Carroll. I mean, Corbin Carroll did something the other day that I want to say that he set the stat cast record for fastest time from first to home or first to third or something like that. Just amazing speed that that guy has. Uh, but... Looking a little further down the list, how about Kyle Tucker already with three, LJ? You know, you you think of Kyle Tucker as just a corner outfielder who is not going to steal very many bases. And then I looked, he had 25 quietly last year, a quiet 25 stolen bases for him last year. He's at three right now. Uh, I think he could put up those type of numbers again. Uh you know, other guys on here. It's nice to see Julio Rodriguez 
on there. Jose Ramirez, who has always been a fantastic base runner, not specifically stealing bases, but just a very high IQ when it comes to running the bases. Uh, certainly an uptick for him could be possible this year. And, um, you know, is there anyone on this list that is surprising to you or you weren't expecting to be uh, as active on the base passive as they have been this year? Well, before I get into that, I think I'm going to answer the actual question. <laughs> um, oh, who will separate themselves? <laughs> let me. Um, yeah, no, I'll let you take that away. I'm sorry. No, it's I'm okay. Like a politician over here. I'm great at avoiding the question. I'll talk about tomorrow on the live show at 9:15 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. The story that this is reminding me of from my last night's show on the Big Three Radio Show on WLAS. Um, but first, to answer this question, who do I think separates from the pack? I honestly think that the guys that I'm really expecting to be here will be, under these new rules, Ronald Acuna, Jose Ramirez, and probably Corbin Carroll, I think are the three guys I would expect, based on what we've seen so far, to be at the top of this group come the end of the year. Because they all check off the two boxes that I think are most important. Number one, we f I feel like we know that these guys are all going to be able to hit for average and get a good on-base percentage, which therefore leads to more stolen base opportunities and more stolen bases, period. And two, they're all relatively durable. I mean, obviously Acuna, you know, when you go down with a large major injury, that doesn't necessarily mean you're injury prone. So I don't put that tag on him. I can see this guy playing the majority of the year. Jose Ramirez puts out the majority of the year and there certainly haven't been any early issues with Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll, especially here, I find interesting because five stolen bases, he hasn't walked yet. This year. hasn't walked a single time this year hasn't walked yet at all and he's hitting 233 he was hitting 260 last year honestly i expect the 260 to go up so if he's able to get to 280 maybe a 350 on base once he kind of warms up into the season that's going to give him way more opportunities if he's already doing this with subpar hitting imagine what he does with solid hitting that's that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah, and he's a guy who is so exciting to watch. Number one prospect by some sites. He was the favorite to win NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, uh, when when we were going through the odds, but I think I can agree with LJ. I think Corbin Carroll and Ronald Acuna, Acuna. You know, everyone talks about the injury and how he wasn't himself last year. Go back and watch how he got hurt. It was a freak injury. I mean, jumping for a ball, leg is extended, and you crash into the wall. It, it was just a freak injury. And for him to come back and even do, like, some of what he was able to do last year, he was still in the top five percentile of expected Woba. So for everyone that was so down on him, all the expected stats were still there for him. And, you know, the sprint speed last year was in the 82nd percentile. It's hovering right around there again this year. Uh, 
Uh, I'm expecting very, very big things from Acuna this year, uh, and stolen bases is definitely one of them. And to answer your question about who surprised me, is not that he surprised. Right, he kind of surprised me. It feel it feels wrong to say it's a surprise that he's stealing bases, but Jose Ramirez being up among these leaders is big. Like in terms of legacy building, this is going to be big. If he fully embraces this new era of stolen bases and getting on and taking those bags and controlling the game through base running, that's going to mean massive things towards his reputation, his legacy. With the current rate of things, I kind of walked in saying, all right, he's squarely the third best third baseman in the league right now. With the performances we've seen so far, I find it hard to keep Machado in that second spot. I'm not willing to go with the Arenado level yet, but I think he's right up that next to, next to him puncher's chance situation because of adding this wrinkle and embracing this wrinkle so quickly. That's what gets me excited is this is flying Jose Ramirez back into the top third baseman conversation. Absolutely. And we all know how I feel about him. Just a fantastic player all around. But uh, LJ, anything else? No, I think that's going to wrap things up here. Make sure you go ahead and check out our live show tomorrow night at 9.15 p.m. Eastern time. This week, we will have our buddies from Friars on the Farm on with us. And you know, I'm excited. It should be a great time to have First them. time talking to them since I think 2021, LJ. So No way. We didn't talk I, to them last I, year? I don't think we got to them last year, unfortunately. Oh, man. It, it will Either be way, great to reconnect. It's going to be awesome to reconnect. Who knows? We may have another surprise guest to throw in there, too. But you're going to have to come and find that out. In the meantime, go ahead and follow us on all of our socials at The Bob, especially YouTube. If you don't like sitting through a podcast for 34 minutes and 17 seconds and counting. We have the format for you nowadays. Go ahead and check us out on YouTube where we have every single segment locked right up on there. Yeah. At the batting order beat on YouTube, check us out short form content. We know that that's what all the kids like these days. So we're bringing it to you. Join our live stream tomorrow also like on that. YouTube and Twitter, and uh, yeah, we'll see ya. See ya.